The world of AI is fast changing. New technologies is born every day. What are the different types? What do I do now? How can AI grow my business? Well, I promise you this, these questions will be answered in this podcast. And what's more, you're going to realize that you matter. AI is just a tool and you're the one that can be empowered because this is a roundtable discussion with three absolute experts. Ash Batia is a digital innovation and business growth advisor. Barry Smith, an expert on risk, on data, and machine learning. And was Raman, he's an expert on ethical AI. And they're all coming together to help you right now. Let's do this. All right, let's talk AI. Mm-hmm. We've got the experts with us today. We've got Ash, we've got Woz, we've got Barry. First question on behalf of all of the listeners that's, that's listening right now. What on earth is AI? What is it? Who wants to go first? I'll go as you like. Um, uh, it is. It refers to uh, systems, usually computer systems, that uh, can perform tasks usually requiring human intelligence. Usually requiring human intelligence. Well, when the AI can do it, it's not only humans that can do it, right? So um, this would include things like figuring out if a bank account is being used for money laundering, but it could be recognizing a picture. Is this a dog? Is it a cat? Or machine translation of languages. These are typical AI tasks that would have required human intelligence to perform. Which is cool, isn't it? I mean, it's doing tasks for you, so really it's making life easier in some way. Do you have a different definition, was of what is it? Not quite different, because I think in practical terms, especially if you're running a business, it's exactly that. But I do think there's quite an interesting um, alternative view, a little more theoretical, perhaps a bit more academic, which is if you go back to, um, I guess it's the mid-50s when the term was first coined by computer scientists, and you look at what they were talking about. In those days, you didn't really have computers as we understand them today. And for them, the aspiration was a computer that could behave like a human brain, that could do the kinds of things that a human brain does. But the thing is, if you take a sort of pause and think about what the human brain does, there's the intelligence, there's the thinking, there's the analysis and all that good stuff. But we can also see, we can touch stuff, we can hear and understand. That's also a part of it. We can move things our brain tells us to move our arms and something moves, which takes you into things like robotics. It takes you into the Alexas. How does it understand when you that's can That's the talk. intelligent part. That's, the, that's trying to do what the human brain does because the human brain does a lot more than just predict stuff and analyze stuff. So all of that is part of human intelligence. But the really interesting thing for me is that it's not trying to do that in the way that the human brain works. It's trying to get the same results. And the reason why that's important is because AI does not work the same way that a human brain works, not least because we don't understand how a human brain works. It's trying to get the same results. And that's where we get into some quite interesting dilemmas if we get deeper into it, because the human brain is so smart, so clever, it can sense all sorts of things that a computer can come nowhere near the sort of judgment and the sort of, um, I don't know, right down to when you can tell the difference of emotions in a face. We don't really understand what the brain's doing to figure that out. So what scientists are trying to do is emulate that without quite understanding what it is that's going on. It's trying to get the same results. And that can get to some interesting points because the same results, without quite necessarily knowing whether you're doing it the same way, 
might be the beginning of later on getting it wrong and not realizing. So I think it's an interesting thing to bear in mind. We're not working a computer the same way as a human brain. Well, let's find out how we can practically use this stuff to 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 push everybody's life and business forward. Ash, have you got a different perspective? As a as a non-technologist, I think about these things in a very simplistic way. My my view is that there are really people talk about these two schools of AI and uh, there's sort of symbolic AI and there's neural networks. Forget all the all the mumbo jumbo technical language. The, symbolic neural networks. Mumbo jumbo technical language. My 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 interpretation of that is very simple. Uh, we've always spoken about us humans as being hunters and gatherers, right? Going back in time, I think about these two schools in the same sort of way. Uh, uh, symbolic AI, which is logical AI, is fantastic at conducting logical tasks. And it's traditional coding. It is uh, fantastic at being able to. So we use ChatGPT. That's using AI like that. The right. the AI that we're all scared about is uh, neural networks. That's AI that can think. That that goes wild and figures things out. In reality, uh, we need both. Just like the human brain works. So the point was making. You've got to be able to uh, think logically, but then apply values and apply. Uh, your sort of social intelligence in order to reach decisions, which is what we all do when we think about things. So the when before we get to the application into business, I think it's important to understand that there are different types and we're going to need all of them in order to to mimic human intelligence, which itself is of many types. So my, my, my view is you've got hunter AIs and you've got gatherer AIs. I like that, it. That's my sort of simple way of thinking about it. Logical, the logical AI does the logical task, the chat GPT and et cetera. So and I, I would have a different view. I would say that chat GPT is not logical. Um, in fact, it's based on very, very deep neural networks okay. trained with huge volumes of, uh, of data. Mm. Um, and, it, and it doesn't know anything. It doesn't know the rules of logic. It predicts statistically. Um, in fact, the lady that was sacked from Google for, for this article called those kinds of so-called large language models stochastic parrots. Mm. In other words, they were guessing what the next word should be just based on having consumed huge amounts of text. So it's, it's down so that, to... ChatGPT knows nothing. It, it doesn't, and you're right. Yeah, right? Yeah. It's not truly intelligent in the way a human is intelligent, yeah. which is why you, when, when people talk about using ChatGPT for your business benefit or any other benefit, it's all down to how you prompt it. You know, the, 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 the question you ask is going to result in a better answer if it's a better question. So, so you are applying your intelligence in order for the thing to do work for you. Yeah. By itself, it's not, it's not intelligent. All it's doing is, look, I'm not, again, non-technologist, but all it's doing <clears throat> is retrieving information very, very efficiently, putting yeah. it together in the same way as a human would, uh, but it's following instruction based on the prompt not in the same way as a human does. That's the whole point. Why it's not? absolutely not in the same way as a Why human not? does. Okay. So if you um, look at something and try and recognize what it is, then something's going on in your head to try and help you figure out what it is. And it goes back to cavemen days. Mm. Um, something emerges out and you've got this instinctive response to jump out the way because it's a tiger, for example. Mm. And so you've got to figure it out really quickly and that's the roots of things like bias and discrimination um, prejudice making snap judgments what a computer is doing is processing huge amounts of data to try and analytically 
find something it matches against. And that's Barry's point. It's looking for matches mm. in its database. Yeah. That's a very analytical process, mm -hmm. and it goes completely against what the human brain does because the human brain is then applying all sorts of judgments and subjectivity to understanding what it is it's seeing. So as well as recognizing it's a face, you're also recognizing the mood and the sentiment and trying to figure out if they're about to attack you or Absolutely. if they're going to give you money or whatever it might be. But a computer will do those things if you program it to look for the sentiment. Mm. But if you don't, it'll just tell you it's a face. Now, there's a, there's a little video I saw uh, yesterday, uh, which was which was basically explaining to you to the to the audience what do you do if you're diving and a shark comes at you, mm. right? <laughs> I, I, yeah. you've seen that. Instinct would dictate that you start swimming away, but if you flap your uh, your legs, that creates bubbles. It makes the shark think that you're prey. But what you should be doing is just floating in the water and letting the shark swim at you and putting your hand on the shark and directing it away gently. That is human intelligence coming in. This is why I talk about, I'm not being disparaging towards incredible technologies like ChatGPT, but for me, they're symbolic at the moment. There's another quote, uh, a widely quoted stat, that today the IQ of AI is around 80 to 90. It, it can and will get to a much, much higher number. Um, but uh, today it's nowhere close to being... Uh, true human intelligence, and uh, that's that's up to true, us. How true human intelligence. So 180. What's the average? I thought the average is around 100. Isn't that the point? The yeah, point. but yeah, there's yeah. people yeah. Mo there's people more than 180. Yeah. Yeah, but the ones They're that are, you're, 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 you're like 190. Yeah? For example, the present time, AI, AI yeah. definitely can't keep up with Bash. Definitely not. Isn't it interesting that when we talk AI, Chat GPT? And it's a tongue twister in itself, isn't it? It comes up all of the time. They, they are either falling on their feet or their marketing is ridiculously brilliant because there's hundreds of different AIs, yet that's the one that people talk about. Well, there's a proliferation of these kind of models now. I mean, Google has one called Bard, and there are dozens of them, in fact. Uh, even some that are now in the public domain. Um, there usually are, they're called something uh, like Camelid, there's like a Llama. Or... There's a family called Generative AI. Yeah, and ChatGPT is the most famous generative AI. I want to go there in a second, and that's the G in ChatGPT. Is it? Yeah, is I that think. is that right? Well, so what's it the P is. in the T? It's it uh, stands for generative pre-trained transformer. Barry, you and you look, <laughs> he keeps winning. He, you're a winner. <laughs> By the way, Barry won the contest. I think you've got to give him that for the strongest <laughs> voice before we started today. Really, really cool. So, and and to be fair. You look like you knew what you were talking about there, so we definitely believe you. Now, I, I read a book a number of years back, and it was called Made to Stick. Now, it's quite a big book, but the concept in the book is, basically, if you want something to stick, technology or your idea or your innovation, whatever it is, it's got to be at least 10 times better than what exists currently right now, and then you got a chance. Because if it's not 10 times better, likely it is it won't stick. Now, chat GPT, definitely, it's like all of a sudden the floodgates were opened, weren't they? There's no such thing as writer's block ever again if you use it for stuff like that. So it was way better than what existed right now. I'm not sure you're right on that at all. And that's what I find really interesting about this whole chat GPT thing because um, we'll we'll talk in a, in a moment, I guess, about what it means to do generative um, AI. But chat GPT has brought into uh, the popular consciousness what AI is capable of 
but it's doing the sorts of things that you've been able to do for at least the last two or three years and probably longer. Right. So almost anything that you ask ChatGPT to do, this time last year, the year before, there was an AI around there that probably could have done the same thing. Maybe not quite as well, but certainly ChatGPT isn't 10 times better. So you want an article summarized. You could have done that two years ago and it would have been really good. You want to answer a question about um, a particular topic. You could have done that before. You want to um, write something in a particular style. Could have done that before. It's just that ChatGPT does all of them together, which is what makes it. That's the, um, the point of these large language models that are underneath it. It does lots of things. Previously, one thing um, was used to do one thing, solve one problem. The other thing is it's available to everyone, whereas previously it wasn't. And it's been marketed incredibly well. And um, I'm not quite sure what they've done differently, but everyone now knows about it. And that, I think, is what's made it different. Everyone's now trying it out. Yeah. But I remember um, when I first started doing the work I'm doing at uh, Coventry University, in my first term, I was talking to a few folks about some stuff you could do to summarize academic papers. And everyone was saying, that's not really something we ought to do yeah. because, you know, it's cheating. Now, you walk into a classroom and everyone's talking about how to use this chat GPT to do exactly the same thing that three years ago they weren't happy to use. It's not that it, you couldn't do it. It's becoming more accepted. It's becoming more accepted. And that's my point. It's not 10 times better. It's 10 that, times more acceptable. Isn't that just... Okay, well, <laughs> that's, uh, that's an interesting point. Yeah, well, yeah. it is. I mean, I still think it, it probably is 10 times better. But what did you try before that was 10 times worse? I don't think you oh, tried yeah, it. It's a good point. That's my maybe, point. I don't think Maybe you there tried wasn't it. anything. I think there was. For most of the things that most of us are doing... A lot of the things, anyway. You could have done it before. It's just that we never tried. So maybe we just buy products of an incredible marketing campaign. Here. Certainly there's something incredible they've done, and the technology is phenomenal. But it's also about the fact that it's got into everyone's um, right. visibility. That's well, the, I think what the they did mainly was scale it up massively. They, That's they scaled true. up the size of the, of yeah. the neural network, the depth. The database. And that means the compute. So lots more CPUs and huge volumes of data, and then they stopped thinking, I have to make this do something in particular very well. I'm just going to allow a human to interact with it. So just to be clear, I'm not saying it's... Yeah. There's, I'm not trying to dismiss it. It's really good. But I'm coming back to your point about needing to be 10 times better. I don't think that applies in this case. It's a natural evolution. It would have happened anyway. And it's not 10 times better. It's just that we've Ten reached some bigger thresholds. It does create that instant impact. That it Correct. It creates That's that exactly wow feeling. It's, it's like, whoa, yeah. look at that. I mean, that is, it's, it's basically a search engine. We've had that for, what, the last two or three decades with Yahoo and whoever else there was Bing and Google and Microsoft Edge. But it's a different type of search engine, this one, isn't it? And a lot of the time... the the stuff that hits the market and gets the public imagination isn't necessarily the technically best. So you go back to computers and MS-DOS and Microsoft. There was something that came before called CPM that was technically superior, but Microsoft did a much better job of getting out into the marketplace and being so There you go, you heard it today. It's all about marketing. <laughs> well, certainly it's a big part of it, for sure. Well, yeah. For sure, marketing is a huge aspect of business growth, you know, yeah, success. Yeah. So, you know, arguably, to a degree, a lot of the 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 biggest gurus out there will say right now in the economy that we're in, it's the most important, important part of your business. I, the think most. I disagree with that. I think. They, they, all right. So just a second then. <laughs> Barry, I want I you to comment on this one. Yeah. Predictive AI versus generative AI. What, 
What's the difference? Right. Well, let's define uh, generative AI, uh, which is, I think most people now, when they think about AI in, in the public, they think about generative AI because of what we've been talking about. It is artificial intelligence that can generate rich content. That content might be a piece of text. It might be a formatted document, a PowerPoint presentation, a picture, a video, or a multimedia creation of some sort, usually in response to prompts, prompts from a, a user or prompts generated and fed to it uh, by, uh, by a system. But that's it. The, the generative point is that it can generate rich content. Uh, predictive AI is most of the AI that we had before that didn't meet that definition. So it would answer questions like, is this picture a dog or a cat? Um, is this account being used for money laundering in a bank? So yes or no. Or, it would calculate using yeah. assumptions. Or, or Yeah, or what is the probability that this account will go into default? So you know, producing a predicting or taking a, a decision or a categorization, but really a single output per, as it were, per run. Uh, whereas you've got this rich content from generative AI. It's quite interesting that though, isn't it? That predicting piece, you know, it's forecasting the future. It's like a cash flow forecast in a business. You know, at some point is is zero in QuickBooks. Are they going to communicate with a business owner say, Looking at looking at the money that's coming in and going out, looks like in six weeks' time you've got to start working on it now. Is there going to be a machine that tells you that? They that, that exists do that already. already. Do. That exists. What, what's the machine? In QuickBooks and Sage, they do that. And mobile banking apps. I wonder how many people are aware of that and using that. They probably don't realise it's being done because when you get your bank giving you suggestions on... I don't know, putting some money into savings because you've got quite a lot in your savings account. It's more or less the same thing. It's looking at the future when you talk about... Um, um, so you see, and, and then it sends you an email and they're the emails that the, yeah. the average person just goes, ding, 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 deleted. But the other thing that you get is when you're on the phone or on chat to your bank and they're having conversations and... Uh, towards the end of whatever transaction, um, they might give you a, a comment saying, oh, by the way, have you thought about saving for the next holiday? Or, um, you know, your two kids, uh, what are you doing about... Um... Yeah, but is that anticipating the future or is that no, the marketing point, you there next The point thing? is they're sitting there with a screen and some AI is asking them to ask about that because the AI is looking at your profile, looking at what's going on, looking at their products and saying, this is a good moment to suggest this product. So the call center operative is being prompted by AI to try and sell you something in order to improve the relationship with you because generally it's useful. And that's predictive. It's not just cold selling. It's an intelligent assessment of your circumstances. And it might seem pretty obvious, but a lot of the time it's quite sophisticated what it's picking up. Yeah, on. what you make me think of here is the combination of that AI that's predicting the future and combine it with automation exactly. of text message and email and stuff. i think that the text message piece is probably more impactful it's more noticeable for the user isn't it because it, it comes through on your phone well you make an interesting point it's noticeable because it comes through on the phone but if you're having a natural conversation with a human or uh, a chatbot you don't notice it and that's what makes How it really interesting have- conversations with the bank these days well a lot of the time you go on to chat if you've got a problem that you can't do you go on to chat there's not a person on the end of the chat it's generally well, a computer you, you first. can push through to the person that and can. even when you push through to the person 
they've got a screen with AI telling them what to say. That's the bit that we don't well, notice. Look, we've got we've got that professional banker here as well. That's very this, much the case. This is quite true. Yes, yes. I mean, banks, of course, have have had chatbots for a long time. Yes, but usually not generative AI based exactly. ones. Usually raw based ones, and that's why you fall through to a human being because it knows it's run out of rules. Mm. Yeah, so it's, what, it's what banks are looking at well, at the it? moment is how to put generative AI in uh, to take on that role. But then, um, does anybody remember the Microsoft sweary robot called Tay? The risk for the bank is that this thing starts to, uh, to swear at hate people. speech, swear at yeah. people, or give bad advice yeah. and get you into trouble be with rude, the regulator. Be obnoxious yes. enough to be swearing. Either, so, you know, yeah. yeah, I mean, banks are going to adopt this stuff, and, and, um, uh, and they will, and I'm advising banks that are trying to do that. But what you have to do is to put the right guardrails in place. You need to be able to trap the output and say, now, is this toxic? Mm. Um, or does this look like financial advice, which could be wrong and therefore... Or are you allowed to give that financial well, advice? Well, yes, exactly. But I think where this gets really interesting for me is if you've got a lot of folks in small businesses listening to this, this might be a slightly alien set of examples because it's big companies. But what those big companies are doing are practicing making mistakes and perfecting the technology and getting it. They're doing the learning. They're doing the learning. And so what happens is it trickles down into the QuickBooks and the apps that you use. You kind of sign up for a subscription, um, pay as you go um, to help you with marketing, to help you with your um, uh, website content or um, your CRM, whatever it might be. Those tools now have a lot of this stuff built in and you might not even realize it's built in got um, with AI, but it's the AI that's been perfected by the big businesses. Right. So you end up as a small business getting the benefit of this as long as you understand how to get that benefit. And that's where it gets kind of interesting. Uh, these, these, these bigger businesses, banks in particular, but large corporates as well, once they have understood the use of the technology, are pushing it out Correct. to smaller businesses in their supply chain or customers. Yeah, uh, Because the more the more people, the more businesses that use this technology, uh, the more efficient the entire value chain becomes. Yeah. So while the corporates might have the resources to do the experiments and learn, uh, their, goal, <laughs> their goal is... Yeah, look, any early adopter is yeah. going to do the learning, yeah? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and not every large organization is doing it because like every other population, you have fast... Uh, you have the sort of trailblazers, you have the fast followers, and then you have the laggards. And it just it just feel a little bit different. I mean, let's zoom in on the small business for a mm-hmm. second. You know, let's just call this technology revolution, uh, AI revolution, whatever you want to call it. Things are, things are changing. Things are being interpreted differently. Technology is being harnessed more and more in business. What is going to give a small business confidence right now? I want to comment from all of you on this. That what you was. Keep this brief. What's going to give me confidence as a small business owner? I think one of the things that should give you confidence is you've probably been using AI for the last five years without even realizing it was there. And this is just a natural set of smaller steps that sound quite dramatic. But if you carry on using it in the same way that you've been doing it, which is thinking first about your business and what you're trying to do and then using the right technology... It'll kind of happen. If you don't do anything too stupid and too ambitious, believe too much of the hype. It's just sensible business common sense. You, you said something to me before we before we started recording about reassurance. 
Not so, necessarily about confidence, probably more about reassurance. So I think the point for me is that all of this hype, if I were running a small business, would get me quite nervous because I'd feel like I'm missing out. I'd worry that my competitors are doing things or big business is going to eat my lunch or whatever it might be. What I want is the reassurance that it's all going to be okay as long as I carry on doing what I'm doing and do sensible things. I think reassurance is what um, small businesses should aspire to around AI, and it's pretty easy to get because it's not that scary if you take the time to understand what this stuff is and not believe the hype. But I think reassurance is the first step. Reassurance is the first step. Let's go to you, Ash. What's your perspective on getting confidence from what's going on right now for a small business? I think it's important to understand that like any other emerging technology, there is noise, right? And as a business owner, you've got to do what you've always done, which is focus on the outcomes, focus on the P&L, focus on cash, and then think about uh, whether new technology, AI, many other technologies as well, can help you move faster, can help you do the thing better. So the outcomes don't change. Your method of getting there might change. Um, so my, my, my main message to any small business owner is do something, because if you do something, you will already be ahead, uh, because most people aren't. Yeah. And, and it's as simple as go learn about it. It's all online. Uh, start using the prompts, you know, go to bing.com uh, or Edge, I think is what they call it now. And it's in there. You know, the generative AI, OpenAI has been embedded in there. Just start playing with it. Um, and that will give you the confidence. But it has to be done within the frame of the business outcomes you're going for. If your goal is to win X number of customers, get your revenue to Y, or uh, improve profitability by a certain percentage, just look at how, don't change those outcomes or goals. Uh, just just find ways that this technology can help you get there faster because it can. That, that's, that, that's, that's all I'd say. It is merely a tool. It doesn't change the game. Uh, just to say, I love what you've said here. So number one, accept there's a lot of noise out there. When you accept it, it doesn't hurt you. You're not holding on to it anymore, are you? you know? um, number two, definitely still focus on your outcome. Do what you've always done. Focus on your P&L, get the cash in, which is obvious for business, yeah? So don't let this noise distract from that level of focus. And then do something, whatever the something is, and you're already ahead if you're learning about it. That is nice, definitely reassurance, maybe moving to confidence. You said something a while ago, actually, at a conference. Do you remember what you said? Yeah, it'll disappear. Uh, we, we were speaking about it. Um, I think... AI will disappear. And what I mean by that is not it's going to go away, but it will just become the way things are done. It'll be just like today you sit in your car, you use navigation, and you expect it to know traffic yeah. ahead. You will expect technology to behave this way. So the all the hype around it will go away because technology, will you will expect it to do certain things and behave a certain way. And if it doesn't, you will not use it because it won't be good enough for you. So human expectations uh, will evolve as a result of this. But when I say that AI will disappear into the background, what I mean by that is it will, um, we won't be talking about it in the way we are. It's just because we are at a certain point in the hype cycle. 
a certain point in the hype cycle. You all, you also said that in that conversation, it's the next thing. Yeah, social media was the thing mm -hmm. twenty years ago, fifteen years ago, whenever it was. You know, there was a hype cycle there. Yeah, that's a great. Uh, thank you for reminding me. Social media before it became what it is today uh, has changed how business businesses market themselves. It's not changed the fact that they need people to know about them. So the outcome remains the same. They're using this tool, social media, to achieve that same outcome. AI is no different. It's far more intelligent than anything you've used before, which is why you have to educate yourself and engage with it more proactively. And that's part of your, your first step. Do something. Just do something. yourself in yeah. it. Educate yourself mm -hmm. in it. And, and there's plenty of information out there. It's very easy to access because we are in a certain point in the hype cycle. Uh, you know, the, the, the genie's out of the bottle. All right, so let's say, because you just said it's very easy to access. So let's say I own a, a small business. Mm -hmm. We're small businesses here. You said it's very easy to access. I don't know where to start. Where do I start? It's, it's where you would start looking for a new supplier for something. Go on Google, go on Bing, go on Edge, and type in the question that's in your head. What is AI, the thing we started yeah. with? What AI how can, can be used can in my it, industry? It, it, yeah. Think of one of my problem tasks. What AI could... Can AI help, help me task? with? Can AI help me with? I mean, we, we've, we've, we've spoken many times and... You, how can AI help me with? Is that what you're talking sure. Yeah. Just type right, your so question into a search engine. Make a list of all your current problems. Yeah. Just your five biggest problems or your challenges or your opportunities, whichever way you look at it, are all the same thing. Make a list of the five. Go on a search engine. Yep. And type this question in. How can AI help me with and do all five and mm -hmm. see what you learn? Yeah. And that's 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 the it's do research something. then. That's the do research something. and learning. You will get answers. Pick just like you do as a business yeah. owner. Make a decision, pick one of them and then go after it. Beautiful. That's it. Love, love, love. Barry, I, you've been waiting patiently for us here. So how can a small business owner get confidence right now? Well, I think it's been said, learn by doing, definitely. And and it's, you know... This it's the stuff, only way we learn, isn't it? This, this stuff is accessible, so that's true. And I think Ash is also right. Go after value. Look at how you can reduce your costs or improve your revenues, uh, reduce churn, keep your customers engaged, all of these things. Um, but what I'd add then is pick the use case that's in the right place on the risk and value trade-off. Good point. So... Um, what are the risks here? Um, if I'm a small business, don't start by by thinking, how can I deploy a chatbot for my business that my customers can use tomorrow or the next week? That's high risk for a number of reasons. It's high risk because, first of all, you're exposing yourself to your customers, but also to potentially malicious actors who might use what's called prompt injection. And that means they're very good prompt engineers. They know how to frame prompts to make this uh, bot do things that you would rather it didn't do, like divulge customer information. There was a survey I just read in the paper yesterday. About half of small businesses in the UK would entrust um, uh, a generative AI tool with uh, confidential information, with customer information or commercially sensitive information, in this survey, they um, they were sort of quite happy to do it, quite trusting, which I was surprised by, because um, interesting because I would have expected ah. more 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 criticism. So 
don't pick that use case, first of all. Learn with lower risk use cases, so risk, um, less risky use cases like don't expose the tool to your customers, use it yourself. Use it to summarize documents you need to need uh, to read. Use it to look at what your competition is doing and, and analyze it yourself critically. Uh, write contracts in draft for you that you're then going to review and decide how to use. Really valid points. Yeah. Very good advice. I, I think... I love what you said here. Sorry, Wells. No, it's all right. You know, let me just summarize a couple of really important points here. Number one, you should learn by doing. You don't, so you don't teach kids to ride a bike at a seminar. The kid rides a bike, learns how to ride a bike by riding a bike, yeah? Yeah, by falling off. Yeah, so you're going to have to make some decisions, start using some AI, and then that's when the learning happens through the experience of doing it. So really good point. But then you said, choose value, choose, you know, make your list and go where there's, there's most valuable. But then the really important point, which a lot of people might have even just skimmed over or dismissed what you said, I'm just raising it again. Have a decision-making process, be objective about this. What's the risk? What's the reward? At least ask that one question. What are the risks of me doing this? Because we know already know 50% of people just... Don't look at any risk. Just get yeah, go. We'll go with that. We've, you've already said that. Just don't be one of them. Yeah, and yeah, have a have a decision making policy for yourself. How I mean, what what would be the one or two questions, Barry, that people could ask themselves to be really objective and decisive around AI? Uh, am I exposing this uh, uh, implementation, this application that I'm using to my customers? or to uh, external stakeholders, or is there a human in the loop? You know, am I at the receiving end? Can I take this output and look at it and use it critically? And you should be critical because these tools can come out with rubbish. You know, this is the thing that is... <laughs> this is the, the problem that's known as hallucination. <laughs> um, it's very easy to get something like ChatGPT to produce rubbish. Um, it is, yeah. Yeah. So you got you've you've got to train yourself on how to pre, yeah to use it to produce good stuff. Yes, that happens. So ideally, a human in the loop, especially to begin with, looking at the output before you use it. Again, um, and small business owners are pro- probably have one of the most refined bullshit meters around, right? Yeah, because they, they smell of the rubbish. Away. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the survival and growth of their business, their living, their their families, uh, sort of uh, prosperity depends on their bullshit meter. And so it's very well honed. Right. So let's bring the bullshit meter <laughs> to the forefront, all right? Yeah. And arm it with the questions that Barry said. Is there a third question on impact? What impact could this have yeah. on me personally? What impact could this have on the business? Yeah, absolutely. What harms could, could, uh, could occur as a result? Yes. I think one of the questions that comes out of this is starting with the question, what could go wrong? Yeah. Because I think if you ask yourself that question, it leads into something that I think um, slightly ironically is a problem because of AI, which is there's an awful lot of stuff out there because of the hype cycle that isn't worth reading. It's um, snake oil salesmen trying to tell you that this is the greatest thing you could ever use. It's not in their interest to tell you what could go wrong. And if you get deceived, if you don't have this bullshit meter... You end up in this world where if you've got a hammer, everything looks like a nail. So the risk is you go around saying, I've, I want to use AI, 
how can I use AI for X, Y, and Z? Instead of saying, here are my top five problems. How do I solve that problem better? And could AI then be part of solving it better? Not could AI be used for that problem? Because the answer is probably yes, it could be. But it's not necessarily the best way. There are some things where you're much better off keeping to a human being doing it and using AI on the side to make a more informed decision, like maybe doing some better research on qualifying a lead, as opposed to getting AI to qualify the lead for you. That's the sort of distinction that I, as a small business owner you should I really like. I really like this because some of the research and some of my experience of coaching thousands of businesses, you know, the biggest financial mistakes... They come from three three common causes. One is ignoring risks. Mm-hmm. One is faulty assumptions, not the right decision making, and and you know the other one is excessive levels of optimism. Absolutely, pull it, like getting sucked in. Mm. It's like oh yeah, that'll work, and you know we're less project. Oh, this is going to have this. It's just over, overly optimistic. So all fear of not doing it because you think that other people are doing it, and you don't realise that everyone else is afraid. You actually think that you're the only one not doing Maybe it. Maybe that's the fourth. Yeah, perhaps. I like that. Now we've got four. The four biggest reasons for financial mistakes, the, the fear of not doing it. Fear pushes you into it. Yeah. Making choices out of fear. So here's a, a, a resource that could be useful, right, for the listeners. Uh, the World Ethical Data Foundation. It's 25,000 members. These are AI developers. These are uh, uh, researchers and, and so on. They've come up with 84 questions, that, and these are published in the, in the public domain. 84 questions that an AI developer needs to ask themselves when they're building AI software. If you look up that list of questions, that gives you, within that will be questions that you can ask yourself when you're assessing an AI tool uh, for your business. Uh, it's, it's a fantastic resource. The, the community is... Yeah, I mean, is, 84... So. But that's a developer, right? That's yeah, someone yeah. that's coding. Yeah. Uh, they're not technical questions. They are basic questions that you would ask. You know, is someone forcing me to do something? What are the implications of uh, of of the software? What are the what are the downstream third, fourth degree implications? I wonder if that will ever become regulated. That that all the developers have got to go through those, however many questions it is. Well, you, you know, the, the, the UK is is bidding to be uh, uh, is bidding to convene a worldwide AI regulator. Hmm. That, that you know, it's it's not agreed yet, but uh, but they're inviting um, most of the major economies to a to a, a AI safety conference in London, which is it's, which uh, is clearly good news. Yeah, there's also an EU an, an AI version of the GDPR regulations that we've all got used to over the last few years. There's an AI version of that that the EU is in the process of publishing. There's definitely a hype phase there on GDPR for well, a bit, wasn't the, there? But the point is, after that hype, we all now just accept it. No one worries about yeah. the fact that you go onto a new website, you've got to click the cookies thing, and you kind of assume that any decent business is GDPR compliant. There's an exercise that the EU is going through to try and get AI to be, I guess, regulated. Your question is, is this stuff going to get regulated? That's exactly what they're trying to do. The next generation of post-GDPR regulation is around AI, making sure that the regulators have asked versions of these 84 questions of anyone that's selling something that is AI. That's what's happening now. And the US is doing its version in every other place. Well, look, there's a spectrum here on where I could be. You know, I could could be at one end of the spectrum absolutely terrified by AI. And the other end of the spectrum is that I'm seeing that AI is absolutely amazing for my future 
what should I do? What's most important for me in, in moving away from being terrified from it and getting towards a bit where I'm embracing it and whether it's amazing or what else? You make it sound like it's an either or. I mean, I embrace AI, I use it, and I think it's amazing, and I'm terrified of it all at the same time. And I think a healthy fear of it is a really well, responsible approach to using it. The blend of fear with yeah. excitement is your best decision. I think so. so. I think not being naive. So you go in open-minded, excited, looking Honest. at the art of the possible, and then you use honesty and fear to make sure that you're being really eyes wide open about what could go wrong. And then just like anything else in your business, you make a smart, responsible assessment of, is this a worthwhile risk for me? Because you probably do that every time you sign up a new customer or think about investing in another branch or looking at hiring an employee. All of those are judgments of risk. And some of them will help you save costs. Some of them will help you make more money. And some will go horribly wrong. And six months later, you'll be recovering, hopefully. AI, in many ways, is no different to what any other uh, business decision ought to be approached as. Perhaps should also think about ethics. In a way, ethics is a kind of an extension of risk because if you're caught doing something you shouldn't be doing, it hurts your reputation and your business. But uh, prior to that, you should also be thinking about, well, I can do this and it would have value sure. and I can contain the risk, but should I? Should I, for example, deploy an AI application in such a way that it exploits the cognitive biases of my customers. Yeah? There are many cognitive biases that can lead people astray. For example, automation bias and anthropomorphism. I think one risk with generative AI is that even when you know that you're interacting with a bot, still the fact that it, it, it has a conversation with you, an ongoing conversation, it remembers what was said and it reacts to your uh, input there's a kind of thing, it's almost like talking to a human being, so you almost start to treat it as if it were a human being. Mm. So, you know, that, that can undermine people's autonomy. You need to make sure that you're not doing that if you want to be ethical. Not everybody does, of course, but um, I think yeah, the ethics, for many people, I think they do want to do the right thing as well as avoid risk. The ethics is, is probably more for the people that are selling AI to people than the consumer, isn't it? Or deploying AI-driven applications themselves in the uh, business to their, which are uh, then uh, yeah. exposed to their customers. Yeah. So he's putting their customers at risk. That's yeah. that's the morally correct thing that we're talking about here for yeah. ethics. Yes, that's really isn't it? It's an interesting one, though, isn't it? Because... Or employees. I mean, or, or oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Interesting. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So if he's putting your employees at risk or in jeopardy or in a situation. Yep. Yeah, But if you look at something like advertising, put AI to one side for the moment, there's a lot of people that will look at advertising and say, if you play fast and loose with advertising, it gets manipulative. And you've got you know, advertising standards and some sort of regulation in it. But you can be quite manipulative with your advertising, particularly with social media. And there's a whole set of folks out there that are really not being particularly ethical when it comes to their advertising messages and their marketing and how they suck people into their pipeline. Those sorts of folks would probably be quite happy to use AI to do is that, that better. Is this snake, snake oil? It is. About? Well, it's a different sort of snake oil. There's the snake oil salesmen that talk about what AI can do. And then there's the snake oil salesmen that say, my product is going to do amazing things. It'll help you lose weight or whatever it is. Yeah. If you use AI to uh, ruthlessly target people 
based on AI analyzing social media patterns and all the rest of it. So you find people that are vulnerable and target them with your advertising. That is really unethical use of AI in my books. But at the moment, I don't think there's anything particularly illegal about it if you want to. There might be. And certainly, hopefully, there will it's, be. It's even a trend. I mean, it's, it's called yeah. hyper-personalization, isn't it? Yeah. And, yeah. and you can use that for good. So if you are able to provide really good targeted adverts for low-budget, healthy food to families that are um, socially deprived and struggling with the cost of living, that's a really good use of AI to hyper-personalize a promotion yeah. to help. But it's not ethical use of AI, it's ethical use of marketing or advertising. So if you're an ethical business, you will use AI ethically. If you're quite willing to play fast and loose, yeah. you will use it unethically. But how you come to choose the AI that you use, I think there's a bit of gold in what you've said there. I've just made a quick note. So you know in businesses and corporates and small businesses, core values are quite an important part of growing a business. You know, you hire people based on values, yeah? Um, not necessarily skills, although you, you want the right skill in your business. But core values is accepted that, you know, the more the values are matched, the more synergy is going to be created in the business. Maybe when you go to consuming it, AI yourself, which ones should I buy? Maybe you can make, you start to make your choices based on values. But I think there's a subtle, no, it's not subtle, it's a significant difference with what you're saying and I think how it gets, how it works in practice, because you're making it, you're, you're positioning it as if I choose this AI because it's ethical, and I choose this AI because it's or isn't. the people that the people that are selling it to me, but that's on, the, on their values. But if you use a completely different analogy, it's what the let's say the anti-gun lobby and the gun lobby use in the US. Some people would argue, I'm selling you the gun; it's not up to me what you do with it. Other people would say, selling the gun is the problem because it creates the opportunity. If I sell AI that's really good at hyper-personalized marketing to do different organizations. It's not down to me what they do with it. They yeah. could do good or they could do bad. There's another argument that says you should be making sure there are guardrails in your hyper-personalized AI tool to stop them doing bad things. Know, and I'm I not sure that's even possible. I don't know where we go with that other than, you know, tactical and strategic thinking. You know, it's not it's not an on... on just no, well, what do you mean? I was, decision. I was talking to someone that works in a bank about the AI ethics. He, he looks after the AI ethics across the bank. And he was saying it comes down to your philosophy on regulation because the people like the EU and the US government and some US states are trying to regulate AI. His view is you should be regulating a sector and its use of AI because at that point you can get into more tangible examples. So, for example, regulating the advertising sector on how it uses AI for hyper-personalized marketing would be more effective in his argument than regulating well, AI per se. I, I don't think we need to go into that on this conversation sure. anyway. But it, that's where some of these rules might go. So you might end up being regulated on what you're using because your point is, how do I choose um, what to buy or how do I choose who to sell my AI to, AI to? It might be that someone regulates what you're doing with it rather than the AI. Well, and well, I, I'm just trusting that more experienced people that's than me, the, the, point. the, yeah. the know what they're talking about are going to do that. Yeah, exactly. in which I mean, case that, it might not be your decision. Yeah. That's where it I think to. in the UK that looks like it's going to be I think the so. outcome. I think that the government doesn't want to do a one-size-fits-all yeah. AI act, but actually devolve it to sectoral and cross-sectoral regulators. So as a small business, it's that'll worth make it, an That'll on. make it easier for us. Exactly. Yes. You just keep an eye on the regulations and you're, you use your trade associations and your business networks to understand this stuff as it's coming and, out. Perhaps. And stay a good person. Yeah, ultimately, I think, I think human beings. 
I think yeah, today, from a small business owner's point of view or a corporate executive or anyone else, these are basic human values, right? Uh, this is only a tool. Remember that. It's not. It's nothing more than that. It is GPS navigation of today. When it did not exist, you know, when I was a little boy, uh, we used to use different ways of getting around. When the tool came, we adapted, but our purpose, our goal, and the way that we drove did not change. So just, just we've got to remember as people that are users and operators of this technology that as long as we stick with our own human values, our sense of right and wrong, uh, whatever that means for a person or the business, um, you'd more or less be okay. I'm really pleased you said that, actually, because that, that just, that you get a lot of trust and, you know, it's only a tool. It is just a tool. You're the one that matters and your values are what matter most. Exactly. Basically, what you, what exactly. you said there. Can I just add something yeah. to that, which I think we've seen in the last few days? You're a good person. The risk is you assume everyone else around you is a good person. And that can be a problem when you've got this AI out there relatively unregulated. And the example we saw was with this whole um, extension of the ULES into outer London. I was reading about a number of people that were coming in from outside London, looked up on the website, did a Google search or a Bing search, whatever, to find out how to pay, paid online got into London and got fined. And the reason they got fined was the first thing they found on their search hit was a fake website that scammers had set up where it looked like you were paying your congestion charge or your ULES money, and you weren't. So there's a bit of savviness you need to make sure that the websites you get on your search engines are not AI manipulating I think there's vigilance. I think there's, I think there's a layer of vigilance. Absolutely. And we've all got to have. And right I think you know, AI I actually... has made that a much bigger priority because AI's ability to f help people pull the wool over your eyes is so much more sophisticated because of the ability to fake images and websites and yeah. language and well, all the rest of it. hyper-personalized scams is going to be a There is. You know, yeah. the banks have had it, haven't they, where people yeah. phoned you up. Yeah, yeah. You know, give, give, us the, uh, give us your password, blah, 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 and you yeah. so hear stories about them. So hand in hand with being a good person is also being able to recognize when people that aren't as good as you and, are doing the But you've got thing. to be vigilant. Exactly. So knowing how, how to be vigilant is, I think, a big part of what a small business Well, let's educate, let's educate people now. If, if we have two minutes sure. to educate people now, to become super vigilant. First and foremost, if it's too good to be true, it sounds too good to be true, it's not going to be true. That's the first rule that you <laughs> Right, 90% foremost. done. Yeah, <laughs> AI, that a, sounds way too good. So much of AI is about making something that seems too good to be true right. pop up in front of you. Give you us your top three here. Barry, I want your top three, and then Ash, I want your top three. So, I'm, not, I'm not sure we'll have nine. All right. Because no, yeah. <laughs> there, are, there are basic principles of... of of All right, you can have the same three. You can have the same three. <laughs> In fact, you reinforce each of us points. This is even easier, isn't it? So, vigilant. So, for me, I think it's a sensible, healthy scepticism. If in the real world you wouldn't believe it, when it's AI powered, because you see on a website, you should have the same bullshit meter, but it's applied to things like websites and answers. Got it. I think, secondly, um, most people, the, the number one cause of cybersecurity breaches, I think, is still passwords like password and 1234. Up your game on cybersecurity, basic passwords, basic whatever. Because now, when someone hacks because you've left a breach in your passwords on your websites or your mail or whatever, the damage they can do is so much worse than ever before. And you won't notice it. So locking down your whole IT stuff, 
using a sensible password manager, all the stuff we've been told for years, it really matters now. That's my second. Let's, let me just summarize or echo the point, actually, so we're doubling down on that point, because that that's something we can all do straight away. Absolutely. It's, it's simple to do. And we've got no to blame. Probably easy not to do as well. Just carry on because most people haven't. You know, you hear it all the time. Passwords getting hacked. You don't think it's going to happen to you until it does, and when it does, now it can be disastrous. So, so maybe, maybe we do what you say. You know, Google it. How can yeah uh, this help me with my passwords? What should I do? Yeah, yeah. and just Absolutely. follow the advice. And you don't leave home anymore like you did when I was a, a baby or sort of just before. You can't leave your front door unlocked. You can't do the things that people say you used to be able to do in the north because if you leave your door unlocked, if you leave the key in the door, if you leave your parcels on the doorstep, it, sort of bad stuff happens. And yet you do it electronically. So that's a second thing, and particularly on mobile phones. It's really good. So super, be super vigilant. Too good to be true. Passwords, number three. The third one, I think, is don't fall into the hype of trying to find something great you can do with AI. Stick to the basics of what you're doing with your business and try and find out how you can use AI to do it better rather than starting with AI and seeing what it can do. I think it otherwise it ends up tail wagging the dog and you go down things that probably you wouldn't want to do that maybe aren't priorities. So stick to the basics of your business. What Ash said earlier on. And the question you're asking is how can AI do that better, not how can AI do it? And the example I gave earlier, if you talk about AI and um, leads, most of the lists will say you can use AI to automatically qualify your leads. Actually, for most small businesses, I would argue you still want to personally qualify the leads, but use AI to do it faster, cheaper, get more information, do it better. But don't let AI do the qualification. That's still a human thing, even if a big enterprise needs to get it done automatically because they've got a different set of problems around cost. So how do I use AI to do it better, not how do I use AI to do it? That's a quite a significant difference. Human-to-human human sales. It used to be B2B sales. Yeah. B2C sales, business-to-consumer sales, human-to-human. Human. I wonder at some stage in the future there'll ever be AI-to-AI AI There already is. There already is. Oh, there you go. That so kind of stuff. Types. There's still computer-to-computer um, stuff going on. Machine-to-machine, they call it. And it's right. been going on for all. Machine-to-machine interaction. So when you've got a home automation system working, um, you've got computers telling computers what to do. Factories run on that stuff. Got it. Yeah. Barry. Well, I think. Anything well, to add? Well, yeah, not much. Well, what, 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 <laughs> wasn't most of the points. So, so very, very good. Very good. So, what I would add is that when it comes to malicious actors and protecting yourself from uh, AI at the other end, as it were, we've all become connoisseurs, haven't we? Uh, of phishing and smishing sh and so on. We, you know, you, you kind of, yeah. you see this thing, oh yeah, that's one of them, you know. You, you, are, you, you just know, uh, mo most people know, you know, because we, we, we've become connoisseurs. So the thing to be aware of is that over time, and it will be soon and gathering pace, uh, these, uh, these scams, you know, the smishes and the fishes will get more and more plausible. They'll mm. be more and more hyper-personalized. They'll fit you. You know, I, I remember being half convinced uh, yeah. uh, once that my son was on the phone looking for some, you know, on, a, on the text looking for some money. And it was very good, but, you know, it, it, I quickly got suspicious and I asked him to confirm. 
something or other that he wouldn't know and he didn't get back. So I knew yeah, what you, it was. You're, you're like bulletproof, Barry. But, <laughs> no one's but getting you see, I'm, I'm not, you see, because it's going to get harder to, to spot that. And it's going to keep getting harder. So, so, what, you, so what are you saying, Barry? That you have to be alert and and not think anymore. Well, this is not one of those obvious uh, uh, tech scams. This is this person really knows me, so it, it must be you know. My, you need that my maiden you Whenever you're, it's going to get more and more accurate in in which in you know in what uh, what what's directed at you, and you you're going to be. So whenever you're interacting with technology or something new, yeah, you've. You've got to be on alert. Now, the only way you can be alert is if you've if you're habitually alert, so you, by habit. Yeah. But you exactly. you don't have this habit straight away, so you you've got to put a cue in your environment. So this is what Charles Duhigg says: is you will not be alert if you don't get the reminder to be alert when you need the reminder to be alert. But I think there's also a, a supplementary point, which is you need to understand the possibilities and the power of the AI to do this stuff in such a more sophisticated way because your point about the the scam where someone calls you and says i need help they make it more uh, authentic by saying things about you that's relatively easy i saw something on a post the other day where the next stage of that was it was someone's work colleague saying i'm stuck and he thought the way to do it to prove it is to do a video call with her so he did a video call and it was an ai generated video call yeah and so exactly. he thought yeah. He was talking to the real person. He checked. He'd done all the things. And it was still a deep fake. And he fell for it. Yeah. Now, at that point, unless you're aware that that's even possible, you're not even going to see it coming. So being aware of the potential. Education, awareness. Look, we're, we're heightening it here. Yeah. I do want to talk about scaling a business up. And we've got an expert over here on this. I want to talk about it. And that's the flip side of the, the negative stuff. The, yeah. For all the bad stuff you can do so well. There's good stuff you can do even better. Any extra bits to wrap that bit up about being super vigilant? Um, just one one point. I agree with everything that was said. I, I wrote them down and then as they were talking, I just ticked them off. There's only one more thing I'd add, which is uh, it is very easy to go down rabbit holes mm. with this. When you, when you look online or you consume information, just have that filter and consume from traditional uh, well-renowned sources. You know, be 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 mindful of how much information you're consuming, and be mindful of where you're consuming it from. And if you do come across extreme views, try and find the mirror uh, of that view and consume that information as well, so that it balances in your mind. You you need a healthy balance of fear and hope for this, uh, but that's going to come from the information you consume, and it is very very easy to um, to go down a rabbit hole. But uh, but this because because of the hype cycle, expensive rabbit hole, expensive yeah. rabbit hole, yeah. yeah. All right, okay. Let's talk scaling, uh, Ash. You know how can AI help me scale a business? And I'm talking about you know financially here. You know, so we're growing a business mm. at pace. So <clears throat> the I go back to what I said earlier about outcomes, right? Uh, now, let's say we, as a business owner, I want to attract more customers. I want to attract a certain type of customer. Let's use AI in that case to better identify, better profile uh, uh, potential targets to go after. If the goal is a business, so think I think of business and there's, there's a pattern here. I simplify everything uh, in, 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 in two, two chunks. You've got revenue and you've got costs. Yeah right? AI can help you with both. It can help you 
drive more revenue, as in attract more customers, attract the right type of customer, help you understand who the right type of customer is so that you're not just selling to anyone. You're, you're selling to people that are the most profitable for you. It can help you do all that, but you make the decision once it gives you the information. And then when it comes to costs, being more efficient with your operations, uh, you know, uh, look, 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 look down your schedule and a week's calendar or a month's calendar and look at where you are spending your time and then try and spot the pieces that you think are not creating value in your business and look at whether AI can make you more efficient at those things. Because if you free up two hours a week, guess what? You've created an extra day for yourself, you know? Um, and that's that's how I think about it. Um, and what, what would you point to that day? The extra day? Let's say I free up two hours a week. Create, create. Think, think of what would create the most amount of value. Most small businesses, I'm, I'm, I'm a huge, huge fan of, of high-quality content. And I think every business should be a media business. Uh, <laughs> use that time to create content. Why do you think every business should be a media business? Because every business should create content. Every business is doing something of value to someone, and they have to communicate that. But most businesses don't take the time, don't... Can AI... Well, AI can. AI can. Yeah, AI can. So use AI then to help you well, create content. We use it to help you free up your time yep. first. Yeah. Look a month down the line. Yeah. Free up your time and then put it into marketing. Yeah. And and that will give you value. But if... And even if you're one person and you're wanting to scale the business up, I mean, there's a good method what you've just said there. Yeah, I mean, it's... it's look, uh, having worked with many, many, many businesses, as, as you yeah. have, and created companies, um, every business is revenue and cost. There is nothing else to it, right? We can, we can overcomplicate it, but that's what it is. And AI can help you with both ends. But you've got to spot, you've got to be targeted, right? The point that Barry was making. Yeah. Pick the use cases, pick the problems that are internal and hidden first, and use AI for those. You will get better at using the tool and only expose to expose your use of the technology to customers at the very very end. I love it. Just Let me one, one go on, observation eh? on what you're saying. I completely agree with it. Except earlier on when we said what are the things that we ought to do about AI as a small business, first thing we said is educate yourself. Mm -hmm. And so of that eight hours that you've created, I'd be in favour of using a couple of them for educating yourself on AI. And I think it goes back to this Stephen Covey seven habits, one of them, the sharpening the saw. Great point. I think this is the time. If you're ever going to make time to sharpen your saw, sharpen your saw that you use for AI. Mm. So by all means, create the time to do some more selling and content, but make sure you use that time to continuously yeah. keep educated on AI because this stuff is going to get away from you. If you think you've done your reading mm. and you get on and use it, after you've used it a couple of months, you're out of date already. Yeah. yeah. So keep Good using point. that time to read. It's beautiful, isn't it? Um, and what is it? Jim Ron, you learn before you earn. Exactly. And, you know, we've got choices here. We've, we've just, look, we're going to use AI. We Let me let me go through the points here and I'll, I'll bring your 20% in. Uh, <laughs> AI, target the profile of the person that you want. You know, the target of the demographic of the person you want is really important. Then ultimately, business is revenue or costs. AI can help you with both. Educate yourself in the two hours a week. What, um, was as just said on how can AI help you in yeah. revenue? How how can it help you? With? Then look a month that, uh, ahead of your schedule and work out how you can do two hours. Well, just find find the bits of time that two hours a week look, look like yeah. waste to you. Yeah, um, 
and and figure out how yeah. AI can help you. So now we've got 10 hours. You you, you use a, a, an AI software to take meeting notes, right? Yeah. A lot of people don't. Most people don't. Pick a good one. That by itself, after every meeting, the summary, the it's actions, done. it's all done. And it's all automated. It's sent to yeah. everybody. Yeah. It's and it's great. I mean, I've I've received the email. It's fantastic. You know, it makes sense. It's it's fully contextualized, and and you've saved yourself a bunch of time. Not just that. I've, it educates me. Mm. It tells me how many times I spoke over someone. How dare you, James, speak over someone? That's just not right. It tells us how many questions we asked. It it showed who was the most alert. Mm. You showed the the it assessed subjective. Opinion on how sensitive yeah. the meeting was yeah. and how impactful the meeting was. So that's a, I think it's a really interesting point you're making because what used to be taking notes of meetings, you read them, you move on. What you're saying is I've got this extra data from something as mundane as meeting notes and I'm analysing it to improve what I'm doing. One of the things about AI that causes us will cause us to change the way we run our businesses, we're going to get more data telling us how our business is doing and how we're doing. Spending time usefully analysing that, not to death, but using the data to find ways of improving, I think is key to scaling. Because if I go back to a typical sales uh, pipeline sales cycle, you obviously want to start off with more leads. That's usually where most people want to begin. The leads then, if you're not careful, you'll get flooded in leads. You spend all your time Mm. trying to deal with them. You get a pinch point around coping with them. Maybe um, using AI to help push yourself down, handle the first ones, do some automated responses, the kind of stuff that a typical CRM type mm. of system can now do, content management, content marketing. But then analyzing what that's doing before you jump onto the next bit, seeing if you can improve the quality of what you're doing earlier on so that you can be more targeted or you can filter your proposition or you can end up with higher quality leads. There's some thinking that you can do around what you're doing before you jump to the next bit, because then you've got to look at how do I close better? Then you've got to look at how do I fulfill better? Then you look at the fact that with all this extra business, I've suddenly got a need for more people to do purchasing and do costs and all the rest of it. You kind of bump into each of the functions and you want to add a bit of extra scale. So I think scaling starts with the front of the funnel and you gradually work down. My point is you spend a bit of time thinking about what this new data is telling you, because before... You didn't have that data. That's one of the good byproducts of AI, as long as you're using it smartly and not just drowning in analysis. Well, I reckon most people don't even look at the data. That's my point. That's exactly <laughs> so They haven't got point. time to. So they, they haven't got time they to. Think they take home message. Time. Take home message, folks. Look at the data. <laughs> Use it to help you make decisions. You be in danger of making even better ones. And these decisions are about quality because most of us are so focused on volume and quantity. We, we don't have the time or we think we don't have the time to turn that quantity into quality. Yeah. But actually being smarter and having fewer high-quality sales, having fewer leads yeah. to pursue, having higher um, value deals at the end, all of that is what AI can help you do. Got it. As long as you're using the data for that, not just drowning in the stuff and analyzing it because you like data. Data has never been more accessible. Use it to your advantage. Start pointing time aside to look at it and make decisions. And AI can help you by asking questions like, with all this data, what does a really good lead look like? AI can actually answer some of that. You can do the analysis. You don't have to figure that out. Ash, anything to add? No, completely agree. Right, good. You will get you some points from everybody at the end. I've got some quick questions for all of you, all right? So it's going to be the same question 
Whoever gets it first has less time to think about it. Whoever gets it last has more time to think about it. <laughs> so who wants to go first on this one? Who wants to go first on the first question? Barry. Yeah, sure. Um, what's your favourite book on business? Or personal growth? Um, do you know, I don't have... I do read business books, but they're not very high on my reading list. Right. So... Um, for example, uh, a, a book that I got a lot of benefit from recently was um, a book by a professor at Edinburgh University called Shannon Valor, Technology and the Virtues. You're probably aware of it, yeah. yeah. Which has helped me a lot to think about responsible AI, data ethics. Right. And, and Technology so and the Virtues. Yes, yes. I wouldn't really call it a business book or a self-improvement book. It's really a piece of philosophy, but it's about... But it has helped you. It, it has helped me, yes. Well, it has, hasn't it? Yes. So, yeah, I'll put it under that. I'll put it under that yeah. area. It's definitely helped, and you're the expert. And- yeah. Her, her aim is not to help you build a business. Her, her aim is to help you, whatever your role is. You might be a, a civil servant, a regulator. You might be a business person, um, but to think about doing the right things with technology. Doing yes. the right things. Yeah. Was um, probably. Um, is it Luke Gerstner who says Elephants Can't Dance, the IBM mm. history book? For me, that's a classic, and there's always something to learn from it. Even if you can't directly apply it, just immersing yourself in the mindset of someone that's gone into an organization like that, that has such a, a proud history and heritage, was losing its way, and how he just really, really quickly did some stuff that turned it around. Um, just understanding the elephants to dance made them realize that they can yeah absolutely i think it's a phenomenal book even if you can't directly apply it it's something that if you think you can't do something should you read that book i think even if you think you can you should read it all right there you go oh because it's interesting you're up there with henry ford over to you sir um there's there's many but because i like practical uh more than anything else favorite book is hard the hard thing about hard things the hard thing about hard things that's uh that and it's 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 so simply written you know um for me that's uh as as a business owner uh looking for advice or looking for guidance or looking for what good looks like that's the book top class got it right we're going to go in reverse order so your first favorite movie not a big movie fan um you can have a tv program if you want well um black mirror i would say Black Mirror. Yeah. Why? Netflix. Um, because there's very few bits of TV that I watch that grip me in the way that Black Mirror does. And at the end of every episode, you, you, you take a deep breath. because it, it And then, and then like, watch the next one. <laughs> yeah. it, it really gets it. I also like the fact that they're independent. So yeah. You don't have to binge watch. Oh, okay, but, okay. Yeah, but Black Mirror for me So is... you can just watch one standalone, can you? You can. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can. But it grips but, you at the end, so it never tells you the next part. There is no, it's, it's not, not there's no, there's, it's not a series. Right. It's just dealing with, because we, I mean, we're talking tech, we're talking AI, it is very, very topical. Okay. Um, there you go. But, but yeah, it is. It there you is, go. We got it. Yeah. Favorite movie was? Um, movie or TV? Movie or TV. If it's TV, then it's The West Wing. Um, and it's especially the early series of The West Wing. Right. Um, and if you want to know why, it's because... Um, it's kind of hopelessly naive now, but nevertheless, there's this um, over-romanticized sense of trying to do the right thing. And you've got to put your cynicism to one side, especially as a Brit watching about American politics. So there's that kind of sense of 
idealism, which I find refreshing. But secondly, on a more practical note, these are folks that have such limited time. They make decisions quickly. They are full of knowledge and information, and they use it so quickly to make judgments and move on. Cool. And there's a lot you can learn about how not to waste time thinking, overthinking. In the West Wing? In the West Wing. I, I think it's yeah, Harry? phenomenal. I think uh, I'm quite keen on on Scandinavian uh, movies, you know, Ingmar Bergman and all that stuff. Yeah. The sort of um, the Hour of the Wolf, the Seventh Seal, and those mm. kinds of things. And you know, the Russian films like Tarkovsky, yeah. similar in in nature. But if we're going for television, I I really enjoyed The Bridge, Scandinoir. So um, really enjoyed The Bridge. But the original Scandinavian collected yeah. tastes. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> uh, all right. So if you could have one superpower was, what would it be? Probably the ability to rewind 10 minutes. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> Not heard that one like that. The ability to rewind 10 minutes. So you could actually make the... It's like Groundhog Day, yeah? Exactly. I mean, only... Just keep going over 10 minutes. You don't need a day. No, just I do just, it in 10 minutes. I don't want to be greedy because if you overdid that, it could get really messy. Well, the so day gets minutes. too long, doesn't it? Not you just know, that. Groundhog you're into one of these things about all the unforeseen consequences. So like ten minutes. That. Rewind ten minutes. Then you'd execute a perfect life, wouldn't you? Barry. I wouldn't go that far. Superpower. I don't watch uh, Superman movies and things like that. Right. So I don't even know what there are. Well, I, but even in Superman. Rewind ten minutes. You mean? I don't think anyone's had that. No. I, movie, so. you know, I think if I if I were to fly or climb up buildings, I'd get vertigo. I wouldn't really enjoy that. Superpower. <laughs> I'd love I'd love to see you in a Spider Man outfit. <laughs> <laughs> Can we swap seats? Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. There you go. What about you, Ash? Um, reading people's minds. Reading the minds. Yeah. That'll that, that'd that be oh, useful. <laughs> yeah, you, you got might AI not like what you could see though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you yeah. could have one day in someone else's life, who would you choose? But I'm looking at Barry now, so you're first for this one, Barry. Who, who would you choose? Anyone? Uh Churchill on V E Day. What a guy. Yeah. Churchill on V E Day. Why did you choose that day? In a way, his greatest achievement, things didn't go quite so well after that for him, but uh, it was a great achievement that he pulled us through that. Beautiful. Yeah. Was? Oh, you got me on that one. All right, Ash, come back into us. You got an extra 10 seconds here. <laughs> James Minson. Hey, you want to you date my life? <laughs> why did you choose that? Go on. Who do you want? Um, I, just thinking practically, probably my grandfather. Uh, because I idolize him and he built a business from nothing and I'd like to know what goes on in his head, uh, what what went on in his head before, uh, when he started, when he grew it, when he uh, scaled it. Nice. It'll help me understand my DNA, but I guess. Yeah. All right. Yeah. There you go. You've already got some of his learnings. Uh, over to you, Was. Honestly, you're talking about one day in someone else's one life. One day in someone else's life. Honestly, the only thing I think I'd like to do is go back to a couple of kind of private times yeah. in my own life yeah. and relive them for a day, just yeah. rather than someone else's. Because nice. the idea of being in someone else's shoes, even for a while, I mean, it'd be great. But actually, to be able to go back and, and do really um, appreciate well, the well, odd day of my own life, you might not, you might not need to do that if you had the ten ten minute superpower. 
I'm talking about going back to yeah, yeah. much younger, <laughs> right. not yeah. 10 minutes. I'm talking it was about a good things day. that I didn't that realize at the day. time. Right. That was a really good day. Mm. Just going back with the knowledge I've got now, going back and just reliving a couple of, one of, of a handful Slided of really doors, eh? Imagine that if you can go back there and just... But not changing them, just reliving them. Oh, that's it. Right, what's the first thing that you'd recommend people do from listening to this now with AI in their businesses, in their personal lives? What's the first thing that you would recommend they would do after this? Get educated. Get educated, Ash? Was? I think you should just stop and think really hard about what it is you want to do with your business, what's going well, what you want to do differently, and just think about your business first before you even think about AI. Consider what you want to do with your business first. And what you want to do much better, what you want to fix that's not going well, but really immerse then- yourself... Consider. And then in that context, Got do all the other stuff. But first, it's about your own business. Well, having, you know, taking it in order, um, get educated first and then uh, think about what you want to do. Then I would uh, start to experiment, but uh, taking, uh, taking account of the risks. Pick the right use case that actually does advance your business and start, start messing with uh, tools that are available to you to see if... They fit to see if they can work. So you got a logical action plan. Yeah, that was like <laughs> synchronized, wasn't it? It was so beautiful. It was like you should one, unplanned, three, yeah. Yeah, and it was unplanned. That mm. I mean, completely unplanned. All right. So one last point from everybody. My favorite part of today, and it's been reiterated about this, is I reckon it was something that you said in the middle. Except there's noise. Do what you've done. And then start to start to think about something else. So don't let that noise dis- disrupt the really important stuff, the P&Ls and all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But then that whole password piece and super vigilance, also loads of notes, really, made a real great impression on me was the, the order of, I think, three or four things that we came up with for vigilance. What's, your, what's been your favourite part of today, Barry? Um, oh, listening to Ash talking about scaling business, uh, yeah, so something, something entirely alien to me because, um, you know, I'm, I, I own a very, very small business, which is basically me uh, advising uh, firms. Big firms as well. Big very, firms. Very, very, very but, big firms. Yeah. But, but I'm not, I, I, I have no wish to scale my, my own business because mm. that would involve cloning myself and I wouldn't want to do that. That, that would be well, wrong, you, actually. There's plenty of ways to scale. Hi, uh, Marpy. We should talk I about can, digital humans. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, I, you know, I can save some time um, by using, you know, note-taking apps and uh, summarizing apps and so on. But in the end, I don't actually want to scale my business. And then with my clients, I, it's no use me trying to tell them how to scale their business. That's not my business. So, um, so I think, um, you know, I, I enjoyed listening to, uh, to Ash's take on scaling. Thank you. Um, so for you, was I don't think I had a favourite moment. It's more of a favourite aspect or characteristic of this whole um, uh, this whole session, which is being able to take a step back and hear myself alongside other people and almost listen to a set of outsiders talking unplanned about something. That's not something that happens to me very often in my working day, my working life. Usually there's a problem you're all trying to solve. Here, just listening to some really experienced, intelligent folks talking about something that I do day in, day out, but often don't spend the time thinking about hearing that in one session 
um, was was new to me and nice. really interesting. What's your favorite part? I think it's the diversity of thought because mm. each of us comes with completely different backgrounds, right? Uh, yeah. We're coming at this topic, which affects everyone. Um, so that diversity of conversation, I think, was phenomenal. I've got one last question. That I, want, I just want a simple yes or no answer to from everybody. And I don't quite know the answer yet, but I, I will be influenced by your answers. When you look at an organization chart for a small or big business, it's the same. We've got marketing department, we've got sales department, we've got an operations department, we've got a HR department, we've got a finance department, we've got CEO in place. Big businesses have got boards. Is there a seat in that organization chart for every business now on the planet that whether it's the MD that does it or the salesperson that does it as well as part of their job, is there a seat on the org chart called head of AI? For every business. Definitely not. 100% no. There you go. Everyone's got to be educated and um, has to know how to use it for their respective functions. The fundamentals of business have not changed because AI has turned up. Those fundamentals remain the same. Everyone's got to put AI into their roles. Absolutely. Yeah, it's something that the whole board has to understand. The nearest thing you get is a chief data officer or a chief data and analytics officer. Hmm. But they have a much wider remit than AI. That's just something they need to keep an eye on. And probably they have access, most ready access to people in their part of the organization who understand AI, who, you know, data scientists, people who do machine learning and so on. But uh, that's the closest you get. Hmm. It's an organization wide thing. Just because you have a finance department and a head of finance doesn't mean the rest of the organization is full of people that don't need to understand money. AI is exactly the same. Yeah. You don't give it to one, one team, one person, and say it's your responsibility. And AI isn't a function. If anything, it's an extension of data. Or it's an extension or of every role. Mm. Yeah. It's... If if you've got a function, it's part of maybe IT or something like that. But the, the I think the point we're all making is it's something that spreads into everyone's day-to-day work. And by not by making it into a separate department, you're almost sending a signal that it's not something that everyone else has to care about. That's, That's the risk. That's the danger. Absolutely right. Beautiful finish pipe. Thank you very much.